So in this video, I'm going to break down financial literacy and what you need to know, especially as a beginner starting out on your financial journey. Let's get into it. Do you feel like you were meant to live a life of financial abundance? Like you know your money is supposed to work harder for you than you work for it? Maybe you heard about the stock market and the new millionaires being created and wonder why not me? Maybe you want to invest in the stock market, but you don't know where to start. Maybe you have a 401k or an IRA, but you want to enjoy your money now, not just in retirement. Maybe you already had some success in the stock market, but you want to take it to the next level. Working for somebody else and watching free YouTube videos will only get you so far. To truly be financially free, it takes a strategic game plan, an investor's mindset, and a willingness to take calculated risks. When you're ready to get out of the rat race and onto the fast track, join us here where we break down how to manage money, how to navigate the stock and options market, and how to approach investing with the right mindset. I'm Jason Brown, stock market coach and options trader, and this is the Money Markets and Mindset Podcast. Financial literacy, what is it and what is it all about? Well, the simple definition is simply knowing how to manage money. Now, when it comes to managing money, there are several different categories, but these are the top five that I believe you need to know and understand with respect to financial literacy as a beginner. So let's talk about the earning category. Most people earn income one of two ways. Now, there's several ways to earn income, but we're going to focus on two. And number one is active income. And so what active income is, is much like myself when I first got started out, I was going to a job to earn money. So that was active. I had to actively participate. I had to actively work or actively trade hours for dollars. So that is active income. Any money that involves you physically working for it or physically trading your time to earn that income. Now, there's also passive income where if you own real estate, for example, maybe you only bought the building one time but you get paid over and over and over again every time one of your tenants cuts a check. So that's a form of passive income, doing something once and getting paid over and over again. Most people who make some type of musical songs are familiar with that. They may make a hit song or maybe you're an actor and an actor makes a hit movie or a sitcom. And every time that sitcom is played, they get a royalty check. Even though they only recorded it one time, they get paid over and over and over again. And so understanding how you make income is super important because it sets you up for budgeting and planning, which is what we're going to talk about shortly. But it also sets you up to think about how quickly does your money come in in relationship to how quickly it comes out. For example, if it takes you two weeks to make $2,000, but you go out on a Saturday night and you blow $2,000 at a club on drinks, well, you just blew two weeks worth of work in one hour or in one night. And also, when you think about the replacement cost of that money, meaning like how long before I can replace that $2,000, well, it's going to take you two weeks. And when we get to the budgeting section, you'll understand that you can only do that twice a month. So if you have two of those Saturday nights, um, yeah, you just got set back an entire month. Now, let's talk about spending, which we touched on it a little bit about how much can you spend based on how much you make. But I think spending needs to go a little bit deeper and separate into two categories, which is what are your needs and what are your wants? If you can identify what you actually need. And when I think about 
what I actually need or what most humans actually need in life. They typically need a few things. They need food because you need food to survive. It's an energy source. You also need shelter. So you need a place to live, a place to sleep, a place to comfortably lay your head. And then you need transportation. So you also need a way to get around, be mobile, especially if you have a job. You need a way to get to that job to earn some income, even if that means catching the bus, riding a bike. And so those are like three broad needs that most human beings have. A need for shelter, a need for food, a need for transportation. Now, everything else for the most part is a want. And you can tell it's a want because if you don't need it to survive, then it's just something that you want. So when you think about wants, Wanting a big screen TV, you don't have to watch TV. It's more of uh, something you want to do. As far as a car goes, you may say, well, Jason Brown, I need a car for transportation. But the reality is you need a car. You don't necessarily need a Mercedes Benz. You don't necessarily need a Bentley. And so this is where financial literacy comes into play and in saying, what do I need? And then what do I want? And so I need a car but do I need the most fanciest car with backup cameras or rims on it? So that's where financial literacy comes into play because you may be overspending on your needs and trying to justify it, or you may be overspending on your wants and trying to justify it as a need. And so again, a really quick way to determine what you need versus what you want is just to ask yourself, is this pertinent to my survivability? Meaning if I don't have this Will I perish tomorrow? Typically food, that could happen. Not having a good place to uh, lay your head at night, that could be problematic. And not having transportation might mean you can't get to that job to make money, which means you can't buy food. So by default, transportation um, is a necessity. Now, once you've earned the money, you thought about how you're going to spend the money on your wants versus your needs or your needs versus your wants. Now let's talk about budgeting. Budgeting to some people is a bad word, but the reality is budgeting is permission to spend. A lot of people think about budgeting and say, well, budgeting restricts me from doing what I really want to do. But I would argue that budgeting gives you the freedom to do what you want to do. I remember when I was on this journey to becoming a millionaire and I was budgeting and I really love budgeting because it really gave me a plan or a roadmap to let me know um, what I could do with my money and how often I can do it. And so when you're thinking about budgeting, you want to think about it in two different categories. There's two different expenses that you usually have to budget for. Number one is fixed expenses. And then number two are variable expenses. So your fixed expenses are going to be things like your rent. Your rent usually doesn't fluctuate and go up every single 30 days. And so you kind of know every single month, if your rent's $700, it's going to be $700 next month or at least for the next year until renewal season comes up. Another fixed expense may be your cell phone bill. Maybe every single month your cell phone bill is $100. And as long as you don't download any video games or anything like that, you pretty much can count on that cell phone bill being 100 bucks. 
Now, when it comes to fixed expenses, it could be things like your gas bill, your electric bill, because they can fluctuate depending on the season. If it's cold, if it's hot, if you're staying inside and using more electricity, are you cooking more? Are you washing clothes more? So that could be an example of a variable expense. Your gas that you put into your car could be a variable expense. Number one, because gas prices can fluctuate. But number two, it depends on your behavior. You know, do you start going out a little bit more after work? Did you join a volleyball, a soccer? or a hockey league or a basketball league and you're driving to an extra place that you weren't normally driving to. Maybe you started dating someone and now that's another variable cost. How much money you're spending on going out, that can vary. So there's your variable expenses that you can budget for. But the key is budgeting for them. I never really understood when people wrote a check and said, the check bounced, I don't know what happened. Well, if you're budgeting, you say, hey, this is my fixed expenses. And then you can look at the money that you make and say, what's left to go towards variable expenses? And more importantly, what's left to go towards wants? And so you never have to worry about a check bouncing or if you can or can't do something, you know exactly how much you'll have for that date, for that movie theater or for whatever it is that you want to do. That's not necessarily a need. Now, let's talk about investing. So now that you've made the money, you thought about how you're going to spend it on your needs versus your wants. You also thought about how you're going to budget for your fixed expenses because you know that they're coming up every single month. And some of your variable expenses are just things that you may want to do or maybe you have to do. But again, they vary in price like gas that you have to put in your car. You also want to be financially literate or as we say, know how to manage your money when it comes to investing in the stock market. Now, if you've seen some of my videos, you know that I invest in the stock market. I've helped thousands of people learn how to invest in the stock market, and I've done things like make $100,000 in one day. But none of that would have been possible if I didn't uh, first know how I earn money, first spend it on my needs versus my wants, and then budget so that I could invest. So in your budget, you could have a line item for, hey, I set 50 or $100 aside to invest in the stock market, in real estate, or whatever that may be. And so there's different levels of investing. And so I want to talk about four subcategories. So there's active investing and then there's passive investing. So active investing is actively going on the open market, buying stock, um, actively buying and investing in real estate, fixing it up, flipping it, turn around and selling it yourself. That's active. You are active in your investment. Passive investing is the thought process of going to get some type of financial planner and you invest with that financial planner and that financial planner actually takes the money and they invest it in the stock market for you. And so you're not actively making the decisions. You're just maybe set something up on automatic um, withdrawal or automatic deposit that just goes into some type of investing account and they automatically select what you should be investing in based on some questions that they ask you. Another way of passively investing is just investing in like your 401k at your job. And so you don't necessarily have control over the individual stocks that are inside of the 401k plans that you get to pick, but you just can passively deposit a portion of your check into your 401k and then your company matches it. And so you kind of get that money pretty much free, right? The company matches like free money for you. And then somebody else like Fidelity, for example, is managing the 401k account, it's buying stocks 
with the money that you put in and with the money that your company put in. And therefore, you are passively investing. You are doing something even though you're not actively picking the stocks, determining the best time to buy and the best time to sell. Although that is something that you could do, which is something that we teach our students how to do. But what's important is to know, number one, are you investing? And then number two, what type of investing are you doing or do you want to do? Do you want to actively manage your own account and try to earn more than your 401k or earn more than some self-directed fund can earn for you? Or do you want to be hands-off and just focus on your job, but know that you have something building in the background? Neither one is good or bad. It's just more about being financially literate and understanding what am I doing in that category. And now the fifth and final category is credit cards and loans. Now, this is one that trips a lot of people up. You know, People look at credit cards like it is evil. And, you know, depending on if you listen to Dave Ramsey or some of those people as well, you know, they'll tell you that credit cards are bad. Don't use them. Cut them up. But what they're really saying is people who don't know how to handle credit cards, people who are not responsible with credit cards should probably cut them up and not use them. I mean, think about it. A credit card can be your best friend. If you really think about how a credit card works, if you really understand how a credit card works, you can purchase something and you can actually float the cash for 25 to 30 days before you have to pay it back. And so a credit card could act as a bridge over troubled waters, as they say in church. And so think about if your car breaks down and you have to wait two weeks before you get a paycheck. Well, if you need to get that car fixed today so that you can continue going to that job, Um, The credit card can be that bridge to swipe and say, "Okay, now I have 30 days to pay this money back. And I know that because of my budget and how much my fixed income is and my variable and my fixed expenses and variable expenses are that I know how much money I'll have left over to pay this down. So that's where financial literacy comes into play, because if you charge a thousand dollars on your credit card, but you know that. Uh, every paycheck, if you get paid twice a month that you have $500 left over because you budgeted it, then you know that if you have a $1,000 repair that you put on that credit card, you know that in two pay periods or in 30 days, as long as you don't go out uh, partying or on too many dates, that you can turn around and pay off that $1,000 repair within 30 days before the interest rate hits. And that's just being financially literate, knowing when does the interest rate kicks in, knowing how much do I make every single month to turn around and pay that off. That is all being part of being financially literate. And the same thing is with loans. So when you think about a person who uh, most average people, when they buy a house, they don't pay cash for that house. They actually go get a mortgage or they get a loan for the house. Now, a loan could be a good thing because if you don't have the cash to pay for the house up front and full, um, you can get into the real estate game with a small down payment and finance the rest. And then you can also turn around and start to use that same house that satisfies your needs uh, for shelter. You can also double that as a potential investment if the price of the house starts to rise over time and then you can turn around and sell it, move into a different house or move into a lower price house, but take the profits from the previous house. And now you have a bigger down payment for the second house. So there's so many things that you can do with the loan. 
but the financially literate portion of it is really understanding when I get a 30 year loan or a 30 year mortgage on the house, if it takes me 30 years to pay it off, how much am I really paying for that house? If you do the math, for the most part, you'll see that typically when you have a 30 year mortgage, if you have a $200,000 house, for example, and you get a 30 year mortgage on it, after about 30 years of paying on that mortgage, you'll find that you pretty much have paid double for that house, pretty much close to $400,000. And so being financially literate is saying, okay, I'll take this loan, but what does this loan really cost me over time? And then asking yourselves, can I make extra payments? Can I budget somewhere? Can I do something to pay this off earlier so that I'm not paying almost double for this house over 30 years. And so that's the whole game of being financially literate is how we actually started this video, which is simply knowing how to manage money or I'll throw in there how to best manage your money. So as we wrap this video up, I just want to recap uh, to be financially literate. You want to focus on the five categories. You want to focus on how do you earn money? You want to focus on how do you spend money? Do you spend on your needs and your wants? And then how are you budgeting and preparing for those fixed expenses that you know are going to come out every single month? And then how are you prepared for those variable expenses for things that you just may want to do or things that are out of your control, like having to repair a car or paying for gas prices that may fluctuate? And then are you putting some money aside to invest, whether that's actively or passively with your job or by opening up a brokerage account with Webull or Robinhood or something like that, as well as when it comes to credit cards and loans, are you using it as a bridge or are you using it irresponsibly to spend money that you know you don't have because you know you don't have it because you now have a budget, right? Um, are you taking out loans for things that actually can make you money or are you taking out loans for things that you actually need or are you taking out loans for things that you want, like a new purse or uh, some rims or some sounds for your car? Those are all things that you have to think about on your journey to being financially literate. So I hope you enjoyed this video. If you did, be sure to give it a thumbs up and a like, and then let me know in the comment, what was your top takeaway um, from being financially literate? And also check the description for some of my free resources to help you on your journey to become financially literate and better manage your money.